This morning, if you have the uh, church app on your phone or a tablet, if you'll open it up. And uh, if you don't, turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in the last few verses, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. As I've been uh, on the theme on Sunday mornings about a uh, heart like yours, Lord, this morning I want us to get our heart focused on the uh, Lord and His heart for people and cities and towns and countries, His creation. And the scriptures that we look at this morning tells us that the Lord was moved with compassion. And so I want to look on this morning about the heart of compassion of the Lord and speak to you about a heart of compassion. And so in Matthew chapter 9 and beginning in verse 35, the scripture tells us this, and I'm reading now the New King James translation. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because... And it's not just because the Lord was just tells us that he was moved with compassion, but it gives us there was a reason that the Lord was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. When he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, as you read through the scriptures, it makes no difference where Jesus was, whatever cities or villages he may travel through, that he always showed a heart of compassion and he was always meeting the needs of people, whatever the need was, whether it was needing for healing, for sickness, or some other need in their life, Jesus was always meeting their needs. And as you read through these scriptures by what it says that Jesus did is he traveled from city to village and as he see the prayer at the end and the call out for workers in the harvest field, it's pretty clear that the Lord wants us to have that same heart of compassion. Would you say amen to that? The Lord wants us to have that same heart of compassion for the needs of people around us. Now, as I look at these scriptures, I see a strong similarity between the condition of Israel in that day and the, the towns and the villages and cities that Jesus visited around in Israel and America today. Because these verses tell us that the people were weary, they were scattered, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So basically you could come to this conclusion and that is that they were struggling because they had kind of lost their way. That's really what it was. Jesus looked at all the people and he sees really just kind of chaos among the people. They, he doesn't see the joy of the Lord in their life. He doesn't see them serving the Lord. And so he sees people who have kind of lost their way. And so the description tells us that they were weary. They were scattered. Some translations say that they were harassed and helpless. Basically, the impact of the world had so influenced them that people were just wandering around aimlessly and they did not have their way. And yet Jesus came along in this struggling condition Condition and he sought to meet their needs. And as you look at it today, I believe America is kind of like Israel was in that day, that America is struggling the same way. We've kind of lost our way. And at the same time, it seems like the church has lost its compassion to meet the needs of our country and of the people that we live with and we interact with. You know, this morning we've got the stage kind of trans. Uh, trans 
converted over from uh, being the old-fashioned church to being kind of an, an old-fashioned stage of celebrating the 4th of July and, and picnicking and uh, the lawn chairs and the barbecue grills and having a good round of golf and all those type of things. And many people, matter of fact, my grandson was asking me this morning, he said, are you going to see the fireworks on the 4th of July with us? And so we, we get a focus kind of on the 4th of July being a day off, which is great. All God's people said, amen to that. I would have said a lot harder amen than that. That uh, we get all focused on be, having a day off, cooking out, spending time, family and friends, the old all-American thing of uh, baseball and apple pie and uh, fireworks and all those things. And those are all great. But I think that we've kind of lost the reality that the 4th of July is about celebrating our freedom and the early settlers that came to America that we call pilgrims came to America because they wanted to get under out from under the the British government mandates of you have to worship this way and you have to do it this way and they said there is one and only one true God and we want to worship him freely and so they came to America and many people lost their lives fighting for that freedom and somewhere along the way we've kind of taken it off the center we've kind of put it on the side we've put more focus on the barbecue grills and the fireworks and the picnics. That's all great, but we've kind of put it off to the side, just like this morning. Some of you are wondering, why is the pulpit over there? Diane Howard would probably be kind of fidgety this morning. Some of you thought, well, wait a minute, I went to a Methodist church today instead of a Baptist church, because they sometimes will have a pulpit to the side. But I put it to the side this morning to bring us to the reality We've kind of moved spiritual things to the side when it needs to be at the center stage of our lives. As I look at these scriptures and I look at the similarity between America and Israel in these scriptures, here's what I see that is similar to Israel in that day to America today. And that is, there was a need, as there is today, a need for us to be motivated by the needs of all the people. As I looked at these scriptures, Jesus was motivated by the needs of the people. It says he was moved with compassion. And as we look at those scriptures in the early stages, it says that that compassion moved him for the sick to have their needs met, compassion for the suffering to get encouragement, and compassion for the sinners to come to salvation. And I'd see that that's really what we need a compassionate heart today as well. And that is we need compassion for the sick who need healing, and that kind of represents physical needs. The world is full of people who have physical needs in their life. And we as a church, even though there are lots of people in the world today that try to take advantage of churches and the, what the kindness and godliness is supposed to be there and try to go from one church to another just trying to be able to survive without having to work or do things that we all should be doing, and so we have people that come on a regular basis, but I never want us to lose the reality and become cold to the fact that there are needs in people's lives and some of them are deep and genuine and we need to meet physical needs. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just say, listen, you need salvation. You need a spiritual change in your life. So let's talk about that first. Jesus didn't. He first met the physical needs of people. 
And then he brought about the spiritual needs in, the, in people's lives. And we need to have compassion for the physical needs of people in our lives, but not just stopping there. Jesus also had compassion for them because they were suffering and needed encouragement. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, in those first few verses I read, it said that he was teaching and he was preaching and he was healing. What Jesus was doing was that he saw that there were those who were sick and needed physical healing and needed their physical needs. But he saw, as the scripture says, that they were wandering aimlessly. They seemed to be a people who were weary and they needed some uplifting and encouragement. And sometimes what you and I need to do as Christians to put into people's lives is not only meet physical needs, but meet emotional needs. And that is see people who are struggling in their lives and come along and be able to pour something into them that will encourage them and lift them up and move them to a higher level in their life. As I've looked to the Bible all through, especially the New Testament, the word encouragement and building up is over and over and over in the Scriptures. And it talks about us doing that not only within the church, but outside the church. The world is full of people who, and here's what people do, when they get down and out and discouraged, they start looking for something to bring them some relief and some pleasure, don't they? And I think we got the answer to that. It's not in finding some drugs or alcohol or some sexual activity or some uh, just getting obsessed with some uh, sport activity. Those things can make you feel a little better and they can give you some relaxation. But the true reality is that people need encouragement from God's word. They need encouragement about what God can do in their life and where the true root of their need is in their life. And Jesus had compassion. And you and I need to have that same heart of compassion to be compassionate for those who are suffering and need encouragement. You know, I, I believe with all my heart and I've seen this over and over, that people who are outside the church, when a Christian comes into their life and brings, if you listen, say amen. amen. When a Christian comes into their life and brings a little bit of joy, brings a smile, brings a sense of an answer to life's problems, they are the most likely to seek out what we've got and want to come and see and experience what we experience. So I believe that the number one thing that Christians can do in, in today's world is to bring about from a Christian standpoint some encouragement and building up in people's life. And when you bring a smile to their face and feel a, bring a sense of relief, they'll want what you and I have got. And I hope what you've got is a smile on your face and a sense of joy in your heart. My wife and I, we love to uh, watch uh, movies that have comedy in them it'll make you laugh and uh, I don't think that's just a personality trait of she and I but the Bible tells us that laughter is a good medicine don't doesn't it it relieves us it gives us a sense of feeling good I took uh, Joyce to watch a movie uh, uh, here a while back and it had a uh, really a, a good deep meaning and and I was asking her afterwards you know what she thought about it and she said it was really good I need a good comedy though <laughs> I don't need any tears. I need some laughter. We all need something that will bring a little bit of emotional relief in our life. 
but we also need to have compassion to the root of what really everything is, and that is compassion for the sinners who need salvation, which represents spiritual needs. The world is full of people who just need to know the reality that they answer for everything in their life. The, the sense of a void in their life that needs to be filled is, can only be filled by Jesus Christ. That is the only answer. Just like in America, we've got a lot of crazy, you know, we just elected a new president and uh, no matter who we elected as president, the president is not going to be the answer. I believe that you should prayerfully seek out who you vote for for president and I believe that whoever them president is important, but that is not the answer that's going to change things for America. It is a spiritual awakening, a revival. Matter of fact, this past Wednesday, we voted as a church to be a part of the One Cry Revival this year. There'll be September the 17th through the 20th. And that is something I feel like is a big, significant thing that we need to be a part of, to pray for, and to be a part of revival for our city, for our county, for our whole country. Because that's the only thing that's going to change things for our future and for our children's future. So when I look at Jesus, he, had, he was motivated by the needs of people. The way we need to be motivated, and that is to have compassion for their physical needs, for their emotional needs, and for their spiritual needs. Now there's the motivation. That is that stirring within us. But that's no good unless it gets mobilized, is it? We've got to not only be motivated by the needs of the people, but we also got to be mobilized to do the work of the Lord. And that's when these scriptures that I read, the Lord at the end, when he saw the people and that they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd, he said, pray for the Lord of the harvest that the Lord will send out laborers into his harvest field. That's letting us know that the Lord wants us to be out there making a change in people's lives. So we got to not only be motivated that we have a heart like Jesus and see people through the eyes of Jesus. Matter of fact, I, don't, I hope Rhett won't uh, imagine me, or be mad at me for saying this, but I don't think he will. But Rhett told me, it's been a few years back, Rhett's going, what's he going to be saying? But she, Rhett shared with uh, me and a few other folks a few years back about how that the Lord just gave him a different view of people's faces. And he suddenly saw people not just for their physical appearance, but how that they were hurting. You remember that a couple of years ago? And he, was, he started seeing people with their hurts and what they really were needing in their life. And you and I have got to kind of see that through the eyes of Jesus, but it's got to mobilize us to do something. As I look through here, the Bible tells us that Jesus did three things. He taught, taught the truth of God's word. He preached the gospel of salvation but then he reached out to the needs of the people. And that relates to you and I, that we gotta be mobilized so that we are speaking the truth that people need to hear, so that we are sharing the message of salvation and that we are showing compassion for their lives. And you know, people, probably many of you have heard me say this and you've heard it in other areas too, that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. What is that basically saying? It's basically saying that people don't care about how much knowledge you have and how much you can tell them until they see that you get mobilized to do something for the needs in their own personal life. That you care about them. 
That's what people really are motivated by. When you show that you really care about them and when people know that you care about them, then they're interested in hearing what you have to say. And here Jesus, the Bible says, he taught them, he preached to them, and he reached out and touched them. You and I need to be mobilized the same way. And I believe this morning, as I looked at that final verses in the scripture that the Lord said, I want to go back and read that. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I almost can't get to the next verse because when I hear that, the harvest truly is plentiful. The Lord is saying, There's, man, there is lots of people who can be touched and brought to salvation. It is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's not many people out there doing anything. There's not many people being mobilized to get outside of the walls of the church and to impact people's lives. The inside of the church, we have Life in the Word classes that go on. Those are important. We have Awanas that go on. We have youth worship that goes on. All those things are important. That is pouring into people's lives. But that's the people who are already inside the walls of the church, isn't it? The Lord wants us to be mobilized to get outside the walls of the church and to bring more people into the walls of the church. To bring them into the understanding and the knowledge and the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ wants to offer. And so as I look at these scripture in the next verse, it says, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Maybe that question, that comment at the end should be, let's pray that the Lord sends me out into the harvest field. Just put your name in there or just say me. Listen to this. Let's pray that the Lord sends me out into the harvest field. Let's pray the Lord sends me out into the harvest field. Would you say it twice with me? Let's pray the Lord sends me out into the harvest field. Let's pray the Lord sends me out into the harvest field. Lord, I come to you today. God, I thank you for these scriptures and I believe that, Lord, you want us to be motivated by the needs of our country and the future of our children Enough that we're mobilized to make a difference where we're living at right here. And Lord, I, I, when, every time I heard the whole congregation, the Lord sends me. Oh, that sounded so good and it felt so good to be a part of saying that. Lord, I pray that you would motivate us to have the same heart of compassion that you have. So that we see the needs of people that have physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And Lord, that we would be mobilized by your desire that we touch those lives of people. That we speak truth, that we share the salvation, and that we show compassion into their lives. So God, my prayer is this morning, motivate us to go beyond just fireworks And mobilize us to share with people what you have given us. And that is the freedom of worship and the freedom of salvation. God, this morning, I've been preaching over here on the sides. But Lord, next Sunday, the pulpit's going to be at center stage. And Lord, my prayer is that there will be some change in some lives from this day to next Sunday. 
that moves us to put you at the center of everything that we do and that will put us at the center of doing your work and seeing souls saved and lives changed. God, motivate us and mobilize us from this day forward. And it's in your name we pray, amen.